You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. All right, so I have to start off right off the right out of the gates, Shannon, with um, do you believe, as I do, that we live in a, in a vastly distracted society? Distracted? Yes. What was your first clue? I don't know. The fact I was, that I was actually multitasking and doing something else while you're doing the opening. I wasn't even looking at you because I was looking at stuff on my screen while <laughs> while this was going so on. We're both guilty. <laughs> guilty as we charged. haven't even made eye contact, Corey. Let's just take a moment and give each other two seconds of uninterrupted I, eye done. contact. Yes. Good. Okay, okay. Now we can start the show. I, I feel connected so much more now. Um, <laughs> But it is interesting because I think of what goes on in married life, what goes on in life is we are bombarded with stuff Mm -hmm. that there is, there is just constant noise, if you will, in our lives. And lots of people would say, well, yeah, but that helps me keep all the other things that are painful at bay. And yeah, I understand that, but it also causes problems. Right. And it and it causes us to kind of increase our anxieties and increase the speed and and you know it, it ramps everything up and it's it's interesting because one of the things I want to try to do with Sexy Marriage Radio is how do we slow it down? How do we connect? How do we steal moments? How do we add intentionality, which is what we talked about last week with mm-hmm. trying to be more intentional about creating sex and creating connection and creating intimacy in our marriages? And how do we move more towards being an anomaly <laughs> almost of, you know what, I can live a more distraction-free life and be okay with it. I can sit with my thoughts and be okay more of a Zen yeah. life. Who's that blogger who has such a huge following oh, Zen habits? Zen habits. Leo. Yeah. Leo Babata. Yeah. 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 And that's, I think it, that we are craving that as a society that we realize that going 90 to nothing all the freaking time is not good for us. It's not. And, and not so, good for our relationships. So I want to say thank you to our listeners that take time out. You, you give us 30 minutes a week. Um, if not, if you're binge listening, <laughs> welcome binge listeners. I love, I love binge <laughs> listeners, but if those that are our regular followers and are waiting for the next episode and you take them time out to listen to it, use this as some Zen time to just relax and think about marriage in a different way. Or that, I mean, that's what we try to do is just uphold married sex, the sacredness that it is, the beauty that it can be, the troubles that it can be sometimes finding it. And if you're new to Sexy Marriage Radio, welcome. Mm-hmm. Shannon and I are not married to each other, but we've been doing the show long enough. You're like my on-air wife, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, Your work wife? <laughs> <laughs> well, and professionally, uh, Corey, how many years have you been working with individuals and couples about sexuality well, I'm stuff? in 2002, so what is that, 15 years now? And I've got and I've got 21 years, yep. so collectively, what, 36 years? Well, a long good, good math right there, girl. Um, hey. <laughs> but, but it's just seeing that, that one of the things we want to do with the show and, and with every show that we do is, is we want to propose ways to, to combat the struggles that ail us in married life, because it's normal. First of all, I want people to understand that right out of the gate is every married couple is going to have struggle and mm-hmm. we've got to come to grips with the fact 
that there's a huge difference between things not going the way I want versus something being going wrong. You Ooh, understand what really I mean? That yeah, that's a really good point. Doesn't mean there's something wrong if it's just not going the way I want. Right. Well, the world doesn't revolve around us. I think that hopefully all of our listeners have figured that out at <laughs> the season of their lives. We we thought that when we were two. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully or twenty two maybe um, or twenty two. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, there are probably some fifty-two year olds still walking around thinking in those terms. Right. But you know what, Corey? I just feel like before we go even further, why don't we practice what we preach? Why don't we take five seconds and encourage our listeners just to take a deep breath? and have an attitude of gratitude about their sexuality. Done. Whether they're married or single, they're a sexual being. So here we go. There. Feel better? Get in the show now. <laughs> we made them all feel better. That was the quickest show ever. Um, <laughs> That's what you call a quickie. <laughs> I feel so unsatisfied. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but it is interesting because... If, if you think about married life and the struggles that we have, and you think about the issues that come about when you're having sex and it's not what you want, or like we're talking about with this show, when you're not having sex, mm-hmm. because we can be guilty of, as, as, as hosts of this show, we can be guilty of proposing this glossy, rosy, great, uh, idyllic view of what married sex can be. And I think that's incredibly important. To see what it could be, cast a vision. Yes, to see what it could be to provide hope, to realize, hey, this is something I can still strive for. Because we've got the blend of our audience of the people that listen, that, you know, they've got sex going on and they're just looking for how can I make this even better? You know, that's that's a section of our audience. And we hear from them at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. And I love that. I love that interaction. But I, we also have the the section of our audience that might even be the larger section of our audience, my guess, is we've got some issues in our marriage when it comes to our sex life. And I'm looking for help. I want some, some f- direct, straight on, here's how I approach my issue in my sex life because there is a problem. You know, my spouse is demanding, or my spouse is not a low desire. They are a no desire, or I'm the one that has to do all the initiating, or I've got this fantasy and I'm not sure what to do with it, and my spouse is repulsed by it. Or I've, you know, those are yep. things that we hear at feedback sexymarriageradio.com as well. Over and over. And, and you so, just barely scratched the surface. Uh, yes. And, and so it's, it's seeing it as how do we speak to, all of that, <laughs> which uh, we can't get all of it, but Mm-mm. but we try to hit the main points that really do spur on towards something better, towards something deeper, to provide hope. Because I think a lot of times, if we can let people realize, one, we're not alone mm-hmm. in our struggles, and that's where the Sex and Marriage Radio Academy comes in really well. Yeah. And then two, if we can realize, you know what, other people have have navigated this or there's help that will help us navigate this because that's that old adage of what one man can do. Another man can do. I like that. And there's some, there's some really healthy couples in that Academy too, that have some fantastic ideas of how they have overcome challenges and hurdles. Right. So that steers us towards this conversation today of Mm -hmm. the couple that one person is controlling sex 
And by controlling it, it means if they're if it's not on their terms, it's not happening. Right. Well, and some of them don't quite, or frankly, don't have terms. They they, they don't want it under any terms. They right. just don't want right. sex. And so the uh, the other person is left powerless. Is is the way their their emails are coming in? Is right. What do I do? Right. Um, and I do want to call attention to when we took that five seconds of silence to express and, and experience gratitude, I said about our sexuality, not about our sexual activity, because there is a difference. True. We still have sexuality, even if we're not getting any, even if we're in a sexless marriage, you're still a sexual being and there's still sexual energies coursing through your body. And even when they're not satisfied by your partner, it can still feel fun. It, it can still, it can still feel good to feel sexy, even if your partner isn't on board. So I, I, I know it can be frustrating and I know that it can, that you yeah. can take it as a huge personal rejection. But the reality is, is that if your body is still functioning well, your blood flow is going to all, all the right places and your brain is firing it. This is still a sign of health and vitality. Right. Be glad because okay. We're sexual beings from cradle to grave, and this means that you're not in the grave yet. That That's a good place to be. Yep. But I know that as sexual beings, we want a sexually active partner. We want a sexually active relationship. Okay. Um, and I know that there's a variety of other directions that we could go with this conversation, and so I don't want to camp out just on this one idea. But whenever I work with a couple where there's sexlessness in their marriage, and by that, I mean, they don't have sex, but maybe once a month. I think that there was officially a, a qualifying. Yeah, research shows if you're talking 10 times or less a year. that's So, cons- less than, basically so there, less than once a there month. There can be sex happening, but it's right. so infrequent and far between that it's still considered a sexless marriage. Right. And so in that relational dynamic, the first word that comes to my mind, and I know that it's not fair, I'm not trying to make a blanket statement, I'm not trying to offend anybody or hurt anyone's feelings, but I think that for a spouse to expect their partner to stay in that marriage and stay happy in that marriage without sex is cruelty. Okay. The word cruelty just comes to my mind, but... That being said, I know with all the women that I've worked with through the years at Women at the Well workshops, there's a psychological reason behind her lack of interest in sex or her lack of ability or motivation in being sexual. And when she peels back those layers and recognizes that root, she's able to overcome it. But that is the key thing that has to happen before there's any sexual interest whatsoever. Okay. So then we need to steer this show because I'm going to make a a guess that the people that email us and the people that listen, they're not the person that has no desire in sex. Right. <laughs> because right. We, it's, it's a rare occurrence if we were to get an email saying, I am the no desire partner and I want to change that. How will you guys do a show that will help me? Because I don't want this to turn into a bashing of the no desire, right. low desire partner because they're not listening. <laughs> so our counsel to them likely is falling on deaf ears. Well, I, I do. Will I mean I do want to say though that at, at shannonethridge.com, I frequently get emails from women saying, "I have zero interest." Here's what I think is the reason why, right. but I suspect it goes okay. much deeper so than that. So let me ask and you I, a question and then. Some of them 
will say, I feel bad. I feel like I'm starving my husband. I feel like I'm robbing him of something. I know it's not fair, but. So let me ask you a question then. So what do you suppose is different about that system than others? What system are you referring to? The woman that has seen, and I'm going on. I'm, I'm going off of what your your audience is with the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. The woman that you're seeing that's that's wrestling with. I feel like I'm being cruel to my husband, mm-hmm. and so I really want to tackle this not only for him and in, in his life and our marriage, but also for mine. What's well, different right. about that system versus the system of, you know, what I'm not interested. So whatever you, pressure Back you off, bring Jack. towards me, it, it, that's on you. You go take care of that yourself. Or we've yeah. even we've even had the emails of if you want to go find somebody else to to find handle that, you have my blessing, and that goes mm. against the the uh, the partner's values of you know what I'm not going to go do that. Right. But they're in a true catch twenty two then. So Absolutely. What, so what do you suppose is the difference in that system? I think that. Self-awareness is a huge factor in it that they recognize these women who are emailing me directly, they, re- they realize that they're a part of the system, that they're a huge contributing factor to the sexlessness. Okay. Um, and they see it as a problem. They recognize it as a problem. Whereas I think that there are some spouses out there who really didn't understand when they signed up for marriage, that this was a package deal and that sex is intended to be a part of it, or they didn't know how they would wind up feeling about sex once they had their kids or once they got older or once their hormones changed or whatever. But I would say that the biggest factor between those two audiences is one lives in fear and is comfortable there. And the other one has lived in fear, but is developing the courage to get their head out of the sand Courage is a great word. I've often said that if you're going to stick your head in the sand like an ostrich, your ass is awfully vulnerable. It's going to get kicked. It is. It it totally is. Or it's going to get cheated on. Or I mean, you know, we we can only expect so much from our partner. They are human beings, and they're not nearly as disinterested in sex as the low desire partner. Okay. And so I think that it is cruelty to expect them to starve their appetite down to a level to match the very disinterested partner. Okay. Yeah. And I I think that to answer my own question of uh, the difference between the systems is the person, the woman that's reached out to you has recognized they have something to lose. Ooh, good. I think that's, I think if I was to boil it all down, that's what it is. Because if you follow this through its natural progression, because this is where it's really, really tough to do a show on sexlessness because you're talking about some huge, huge choices. You know, you're talking about critical mass kind of things here that because it's easy to sit there and say the high desire partner or the interested partner that wants to have sex in their in their marriage, that if they were to say, you know what, if you're not willing that I'm willing to leave. And then their response could be right back. You're telling me you would throw this all away over not having sex, you know, and that's kind of a big ACE to play. Right. Which then I would, my counsel right back to that. Go ahead. And I see your face kind of, well, I was going to say, or they play the God card. Nobody's committed adultery here. And that's the only biblical reason for divorce, which is not true by the way. Right. But you know, people play that card and they try to over spiritualize it 
when the reality is they're contributing to the demise well, of that relationship. Yeah, my response, they're not owning it. Yeah, my response to that kind of a question of you're willing to throw away what we've got over sex, over not having sex. My response to that would be, you are too. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what this it's is. It's a co-created yep, dynamic. Because we're both making choices. And so to me, the counsel that we need to provide with this show is what is what do we what can we offer to the interested party that the the pressure that they can bear because it is all about pressure to me that that's what this is it's systemic pressure because a lot of times the way we're going we go about trying to instigate or initiate sex isn't really using pressure for what it can be it's it's a manipulation it's a moping it's a pouting it's a oh, it's an eruption it's a threat it's mm-hmm. you know and and, and we it, want to teach them to use it as leverage well it's leverage leverage has a, a weird connotation to it even though that's probably what it is is it's you know what this is what i want in my life this is what i want to be and and who i want to be with and so my thought is how do we as the interested party live a more holistic, trustworthy, sexual life and let that pressure come to bear. That it's not, you know, because it's, it, it does kind of, I mean, see, this is where it gets kind of crazy because it's almost like, well, are we, are we advising people to just seek their needs elsewhere? And that's not at all what that's I'm advising. What but there is an element of how do I live a life that's worth being pursued by somebody? I want it from my spouse, but I also have to realize it's going to come from elsewhere. And that's where my own values and integrity has to really lead this charge. Well, and hopefully you're able to sublimate those needs and, and get that need met in other than a sexual way. But obviously, you know, that that's difficult to do for someone who's clamoring for sex and they know that sex is available for them elsewhere, but not in their marriage. Right. That's, that's a really difficult dynamic. Right. It's a very difficult dynamic. Right. Um, yeah. I know that you want to focus on the listener who's the high desire spouse and what do I do with it? I'm going to trust that there are some lower desire spouses okay. listening. And I'm going to, I'm going to stay camped out on that for just a little Go. bit. I'm good because with that. I, I realize that a lot of women are, are guilty of falling into this category. It's not okay. just women. It's not just, I'm not intended to be a stereotype, but I know that based on my 20 years experience, there's a lot of women out there um, that fall into this pattern. And so I, I want to call attention to an article that I posted on Sexy Marriage Radio Academy that got some really great responses that research has been done that the hormones that are created in the human body after a sexual experience only last about 48 hours. So that sexual afterglow of you feel so bonded to each other, everything is right in the world. There's there's a, a pep in your step and a twinkle in your eye. And that only lasts about 48 hours, which kind of explains why people would say that their ideal um, sexual frequency would be two to three times a week is because every 48 to 72 hours, it's like they need another hit of their spouse in order to create those feel-good hormones to sustain them. But 48 hours is not that long. Imagine the guy who goes or the girl who goes 48 days 
or 48 months. I mean, we sometimes hear from couples that they haven't had sex in like 10 years. Right. And to me, that is the equivalent of starving someone, just like you would never withhold food for days or weeks and especially not months and expect them to survive. Now, I know that you cannot compare sex to food. I know that food is more vital to life, but the reality is, is that sex is very much a part of, of our brain's workings that it is a biological need. It's not a need that we're going to die if we don't get it, but people who come into marriage expect that there's going to be some frequency, some frequency of sex and to take that off the table entirely, or it's so infrequently that it may as well not be happening. That's like asking your spouse to just, you know, sign up to be a priest or a nun. You, You can't expect that your spouse should only be as interested in sex as you are if you're not that interested. It's just not fair. It, it boils down to it's not fair. Okay. Okay. And while, while those wheels are turning, can I just stay on the soapbox for a little bit longer? Sure. Because I have a couple more points here. Okay, so I, I mentioned earlier, and we got an email about this at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com that I had made the comment that um, – that somebody said that adultery is the only biblical reason for divorce. I do not believe that that is what the Bible states at all. Uh, The guy who smacks his wife around and abuses her, are you saying that she has to stay because he hasn't cheated on her? Uh, The spouse who has abandoned um, the marriage bed, are you saying that that person has no right to, to feel as if they need to move on with their life? So I actually have a friend, a very good friend who's working on a book right now about I think six different reasons that he feels like are biblical reasons for divorce. And I don't remember all of them, but they include adultery, but it also includes abuse, abandonment, neglect, um, some very psychologically damaging things. So I just want to put it out there for people who have heard me say that I wanted to clarify that I don't think that adultery is the only biblical reason for divorce. I do think that abuse and abandonment and things of that nature are just as uh, vital, um, you know, to the vitality of a relationship for there not to be abuse and for people to be engaged with one another. But, um, you know, maybe it wasn't covered in premarital counseling to the extent that it was. And a lot of people get married without any premarital counseling about what a vital component healthy, a healthy sex life is to a marriage. So if you didn't get it in premarital counseling, what's wrong with postmarital counseling? What's wrong with connecting with a counselor to see if you can't at least compromise to where, Maybe there's not as much sex as the high desire person wants, but at least maybe there's a little bit more sex than the lower desire person wants so that there's some sort of meeting in the middle. Okay. And that's, that's what's so interesting because if you think about the couples that are really struggling with this area where there's just, it's so few and far between, wouldn't you, I would venture the guess from what I've heard in my office and what I've heard from emailers is the sex when it happens it's not smooth you know it's it's anxiety laced it's awkward it's it's fumbling around in the it's it's i got to make the most out of everything i can cuz i don't know when the next time's going to be you know and it's there's such high expectation and such high ramped up anxiety surrounding it mm-hmm. and so that's where my counsel would be and this would be to both that 
how do I start to live a more well-rounded life that I take some of the over-sexualization nature I might have and start to steer it towards other passions as well? That am I doing other things that would get me sweating and my heart rate up and would get my passion flowing? Because it's very, very easy to focus on what I don't have or what's going wrong and let that just taint everything else rather than how do I kind of try to get a little more balance in my own step and in my own countenance to be able to see, because that's where I think using, that's using the pressure well. Mm-hmm. That's, that's using the, you know what, I'm going to start living and creating a great cake of life and I'm going to let my partner know, I want them to be the icing on this cake. But if they're not willing to ice it, then I can make choices. I can, that's not, I'm, not, I'm not making it this week. I'm not making it this month. I'm not making it this year, maybe even. I'm going to give it time. And that's my, that's my biggest counsel to anybody looking to really change their system is you got to give it four to six months at minimum to see how some of these things may play out when you start to change your own direction within it. Because most of the time, the way we want to change the system is I want my partner to change. Yeah, Because it's just easier for me that way. If we would all of a sudden start having sex, then all my problems would be solved. I'm going to bet no. That's not true. <laughs> right? Yeah. That it, Wouldn't it, it be great if that were the case? It, absolutely it would be. If we could heal God's, you know, all the sexual wounding in God's people, we would heal God's people. I mean, that's a, a mm-hmm. statement Gina used to make. But it's the idea that if I was to just start to come at this a little different, now all of a sudden I start putting pressure. I mean, I said this to Pam the other day because it's, it's, it's busy season. And so she couldn't make it to one of the kids' functions. And so Sydney was singing. It was during the day. It was coffee and choir. It was what it was called. It was a morning concert. And so mm-hmm. I show up and I'm having coffee and watching my daughter sing and I'm being checked out. And it was very obvious. I'm being checked out by a mom. And so I oh, called, that kind of checked yes, out. Yes, it oh. was. And I loved, I was like, I'm not at all, I like this feeling. This makes me feel good. But it's oh, one of those, I want to steer Corey's it. still got it. I want to steer it towards <laughs> Pam. And I also want to use that towards a little leverage with Pam of I, talking to her. Like, how was the concert? Like, oh, it was really cute, baby. It was great. Really? And we were talking to her and you just need to realize I was being noticed. So you... <laughs> Just saying, you know, <laughs> just kind of. I'm sure that Pam didn't feel in the least bit threatened. <laughs> no, I don't think she did. But I, it's that whole idea of I have options and I want you to know I have options, even though I want all of my options to be with you. You know, but it, it's still just that that is the dynamic of a marriage. And we've got to acknowledge that, that if right. I will conduct myself in that manner, it's not that I'm calling it out and wanting it from other people. Because the people, I mean, think about it this way. You don't have to attract it. It comes at you. Well, I mean, think about it. The people the that are, we live in. the people, the people that get noticed the most are the people that aren't looking for it. Right, right, right. That they're just, they're living their life. They're all together. They're not, hey, did you notice me? Look, you know, they're not enhancing their breasts and their cleavage because. stable. Yeah. It's just this whole, I know I got it going on and I'm living it. And if Mm -hmm. I live that, that is the best pressure I can bring to bear in my marriage, sexually Mm -hmm. and otherwise. And that then leads itself to some serious heart to heart conversations that I get to have with my partner. Right. You know what? The status that we've got, and this is the counsel I would give to the person that's interested in sex, 
is at some point you're going to reach the critical mass conversation, maybe over coffee, maybe over lunch. It's not going to be in the heated argument. These are going to be the calm, uh, firm argument or just statement of, I've come to the conclusion, I don't want to be in a sexless marriage. That's what, because now I'm starting to take charge of what I want in my life. And then mm-hmm. your partner's going to be, well, what does that mean? He's like, I don't know what that means yet. But that does mean I want some sex happening, and I want it with you. Yeah. And, then, and then we just kind of see where it goes from there. Because that's, that's you make a move, and then you see how your partner responds. That's all we can do. Right. I, I completely agree. T- to make that statement, I don't want to be in a sexless marriage. Um, Corey, what's your response to the notion of, you know, I mean, some of those spouses that do get noticed and they're not getting sex at home. They don't have the vibrant sex life that you and Pam have. I'm, I, I mean, adultery is never justified. No, it's never, never justified. Never. But can the spouse who expects their partner to live in a sexless marriage really throw a stone as hard as the spouse who feels like, hey, I've been available to you all along. Why well, did you go get it elsewhere? Again, I don't want to get into the blame stuff. I want to get into personal choice, personal responsibility, because that's what it's yeah. going to come down to. Because then if I, if I come at it with, I don't want to be in a sexless marriage, but I want to be with you. Yeah. And then they, my partner wrestles with, you know what? Because of X, Y, Z, because of whatever, justified or not, I'm not going to have sex. And if you and I understand if that means you go, you go. I get it. And then if I stay, I can't blame my partner for the fact that we're not having sex. I chose it, right? Okay. And so it's I. I then to, it's on you. To me, it that is the whole co-created nature of everything we do in our life. To me, hmm. and so I've got to look at this as: Am I being clear about my choices? Right. And then when I make them. Do I hold other people responsible and blame them or do I own them? That's the difference to me. Right. And I would hope that a couple can focus on the things that they do do well together, like raise children, like right. serve God. Because all of those together, are factors. Like run a, a household. Absolutely. Yep. There's so much more to marriage than just sex. But I, I just want to urge both men and women alike that if you were in that category of I don't want sex very often at all or if at all, there's got to be some underlying psychological factors to that. Please connect with a counselor, whether right. that's Corey, whether that's me, attend a workshop, women at the well, attend a husband's mastermind group, get to the root of what is slowing me down sexually and how can I give my spouse the gift of a greater level of interest right. because they deserve that. Okay. This is what you signed up for. That's what I just, I just feel like if you're going to sign up for marriage, you're signing up for loving, affirming, cherishing, and sexually satisfying that person, at least, you know, at least on occasion, at least frequently enough that they, it feels as if there is a sexual relationship. Okay. I don't fair know. enough? It, that is completely fair enough and not to step on what you just said, but I'm going to step on what you just said. Um, <laughs> I, I have the word deserve has just been eating at me lately. Uh, like Dave Ramsey, better than I deserve. Yeah. I know we don't deserve it. Yeah, but. okay. But that, that's another time. Um, but again, this is... Desire. My, my heart, desire. my heart. our hearts go out to the, yes. the couples that listen to our show and truly are in the, the, the painful stages of, of married life and sex. And we, we read those emails and we want to weep with you. I, I our, get our it, yeah. Really 
But I want you to, if nothing else, hear the power you have. And it's not power to wield just, you know, flippantly. It's power to live because that's how we shift things. And it's a slow process a lot of times. It's not quick, but we can do it. You can do it. So this this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. And you don't just owe it to your spouse. You also owe it to yourself. We love you for listening. See you next time.